0: being neither large nor expensive in its food i was desirous to keep it and train it like a falcon to pursue smaller birds fritz had already covered its eyes and tied a string to its foot and i advised him to hold it often and for a length of time on his hand and to tame it with hunger as falconers do When all the narratives were concluded, I ordered a fair to be lighted, and a quantity of green wood to be put on it, for the purpose of raising a thick smoke over which I meant to hang the buffalo meat I had salted, to dry and preserve it for our future use. The young buffalo was beginning to browse, and we gave him also a little of the cow's milk, and in a few days we fed him with a heap of sliced potatoes, which he greedily devoured. And this led us to conclude that the pains from the wound in his nose had subsided, and that he would soon become tame. The morning of this day was spent in again talking over our late extraordinary adventures. We left our meat suspended over the smoke of the fires during our sleep. We tied the young buffalo by the side of the cow, and were pleased to see them agree and bid fair to live in peace together. At night the dogs were set upon the watch. Fritz resolved to go to bed with his eaglet, fastened to his wrist, and his eyes still bound. It remained in this state throughout the night without disturbing its master. The time of repose elapsed so calmly that none of us awoke to keep in the torchlights, which now for the first time the industry of the boys had supplied us with, and we did not get up till after sunrise. After a moderate breakfast, I chanted the custom summons of our setting out, but my young ones had some projects in their heads, and neither they nor their mother were just then in the humor to obey me. Let us reflect a little first, said my wife, as we had so much difficulty in filling the palm tree. Would it not be a pity to lose our labor by leaving it in this place? Ernest assures me it is a sago tree, If so, the pith would be an excellent ingredient for our soups. Do, my dear, examine it, and let us see if in any way we can turn it to account. I found that she was in the right, but in that case it was necessary to employ a day in the business, since to lay open from one end to the other a tree of such a length and substance was no trivial task. I, however, consented, as independent of the use of the pharaonaceous pith, I could be emptied it by emptying it, obtain two handsome and large troughs for the conveyance of water from Jackal's River to my wife's kitchen garden at Tent House, and thence to my new plantation of trees. Fritz, one of the halves, Father, will answer that purpose, and the other will serve as a conduit for our little stream from Falcon's Nest into my pretty basin lined with tortoise shell. We then shall be constantly regaled with the agreeable view of a fountain close to our dwelling. I fancy it now before my eyes, and that I see its course, and I for my part, said Ernest, long for a sight of the sago formed into small grains, as I have seen it in Europe. I now desired them to bring me the graters they had used for the monoeic, and observed that they had to assist me in raising the palm tree from the ground, which must be done, continued I, by fixing at each end two small cross-pieces, or props, to support it. To split it open as it lies would be a work of too much labor. This done, I shall want several wooden wedges to keep the cleft open while I am sawing it, and afterwards a sufficient quantity of water. There is the difficulty, said my wife. Our falcon stream is too far off, and we have not yet discovered any spring in the neighborhood of this place. Ernest that is of no consequence mother i have seen hereabouts so great an abundance of the plants which contain water that we need not be at a loss for they will fully supply us if i could only contrive to get vessels enough to hold it we now produced the enormous reeds we had brought home which being hollow would answer the purpose of vessels and as some time was required to draw off the water from such small tubes he and francis at once set to work they cut a number of the plants which they placed slantingly over the brim of a vessel and whilst they was that was filling they were preparing another the rest of us got round the tree and with our united strength we soon succeeded in raising the heavy trunk and the top of it was then sawed off we next began to split it through the whole length and and this the softness of the wood enabled us to effect with little trouble We soon reached the pith or marrow that fills up the middle of the trunk, the whole of its length. When divided, we laid one half on the ground, and we pressed the pith together with our hands so as to make temporary room for the pith of the other half to the trunk, which rested still on the props. We wished to empty it entirely, that we might employ it as a netting trough, leaving merely enough of the pith at both ends to prevent a running out and then we proceeded to form our paste. My young manufacturers fell joyfully to work. They brought water and poured it gradually into the trough. Whilst we mixed it with the flour, in a short time the paste appeared sufficiently fermented. I then made an aperture at the bottom of the grater on its outside and pressed the paste strongly with my hand. The fernaceous parts passed with ease through the small holes of the grater and the lignous lignolious parts which did not pass were thrown aside in a heap in the hope that mushrooms might spring from them. My boys were in readiness to receive in the reed vessels while fell from the grater and conveyed it directly to their mother whose business was to spread out the small grains in the cloth for the purpose of drying them. Thus we procured a good supply of a wholesome and pleasant food and should have had a larger stock of it had we not been restricted as to time. But the privilege of renewing the process at pleasure by filling a sago tree added to some impatience to take home our two pretty conduits, and employ them as proposed, prompted us to expedite the business. The parts which remained was thrown upon the mushroom bed and watered well to promote a fermentation. We next employed ourselves unloading the cart with our tools and the two halves of the tree. Night coming on, we retired to our hut, where we enjoyed our usual repose, and early next morning were ready to return to Falcon stream. Our buffalo now commenced his service, yoked with the cow, he supplied the want of the ass and was very tractable. It is true, I led him by the cord in his nose, and thus restrained him whenever he was disposed to deviate from his duty. We returned the same way as we came, in order to load the cart with a provision of berries, wax, and elastic gum. I sent forward Fritz and Jack as a vanguard with one of the dogs. They were to cut an ample road through the bushes for our cart. The two water conductors, which were very long, produced numerous difficulties and somewhat impeded our progress. We reached the wax and gum trees with tolerable speed, and without any accident, and halted to place our sacks of berries in the cart. The elastic gum had not yielded as much as I expected from the too rapid thickening caused by an ardent sun. We obtained, however, about a quart which sufficed for the experiment of the impenetrable boots I had so long desired. We set out again, still preceding by our pioneers who... Clear this the way for us through the little wood of guavas. Suddenly, we heard a dreadful noise which came from our vanguard and beheld Fritz and Jack hastening toward us. I began now to fear a tiger or panther was near at hand or had perhaps attacked them. Turf began to bark so frightfully, and Flora joined in so hideous a yell that I prepared myself for a bloody conflict. I advanced at the head of my troop to the assistance of my high metal dogs who ran furiously up to a thicket where they stopped and with their nose to the ground and almost breathless strove to enter it. I had no doubt some terrible animal was lurking there, and Fritz, who had seen it through the leaves, confirmed my suspicions. He said it was about the size of the young buffalo, and that his hair was black and shaggy. I was going to ferret it promiscuously in the thicket, when Jack, who had thrown himself on his face on the ground to have a better view of the animal, got up in a fit of laughter. "It is only," he exclaimed, "our old sow, who is never tired of playing off her tricks upon us." "'Half vexed, half laughing, we broke into the midst of the thicket, "'where in reality we found our old companion stretched sublimely on the earth, "'but by no means in a state of dreary solitude. "'She had round her seven little creatures, which had been littered a few days, "'and were sprawling about, contending, contending with each other for the best place near their mother for a hearty meal.' This discovery gave us considerable satisfaction, and we all greeted the good matron, who seemed to recollect and welcome us with a sociable kind of grunting, while she licked her young without any ceremony or show of fear. And now a general consultation took place, should this new family be left where we found it, or conveyed to Falcon Stream. Opinions being at variance, it was decided that for the present they should keep quiet possession of their retreat, Over, they are no longer wild and untrackable. Fritz resolved on the experiment. He took some tobacco and a pipe, of which we had plenty in the cellar's chest, and began to smoke, at the same time gradually approaching the unruly bird. As soon as it was somewhat composed, he replaced the fillet over the eyes and smoked close to its beak and nostrils so effectually that it became motionless on the spot and had the exact air of a stuffed bird. Fritz thought it dead and was inclined to be angry with his brother, but I told him it would not hold on the perch if it were lifeless. And that its head alone was affected, and so it proved. The favorite came to himself by degrees, and made no noise when its eyes were unbound. It looked at us with an air of surprise, but void of fury, and grew tamer and calmer every day. The care of the monkey was now by all adjudged to Ernest as a reward, and he took formal possession of it and made it lie down near him. We next began a business which we were long determined on. It was to plant bamboos close to all the young trees to support them in their growth. We had our cart loaded with canes in readiness and a large pointed iron to dig holes in the ground. We began our work at the entrance of the avenue nearest to Falcon's stream. The walnut, chestnut, and cherry trees we had planted in regular line and at equal distances. We found disposed to bend considerably to one side. Being the strongest, I took the task of making holes in the, with the implement on myself, which as the soil was light, I easily performed. The boys selected the bamboos, cut them of equal lengths, and pointed the ends to go into the grounds. When they were well fixed, we threw up the earth compactly about them, and fastened the sapling by the branches to them, with some long, straight tendrils of a plant, which we found near the spot. In the midst of our exertions, we entered into conversation respecting the culture of trees. Till then my boys had only thought of eating fruits, without giving themselves much trouble about their production, but now their curiosity was excited, and they asked a thousand questions, which I answered as well as I could. Towards evening, a keen appetite hastened our return to Falcon Stream, where we found an excellent and plentiful supper prepared by a good and patient steward. When the sharpness of hunger was appeased, a new subject was introduced, which I and my wife had been thinking of for some time. She found it difficult, and even dangerous, to ascend and descend our tree with a rope ladder. We never went there but on going to bed, and each time felt an apprehension that one of the children who scrambled up like cats might make a false step, and perhaps be lamed forever. Bad weather might come on, and compel us for a long time together to seek an asylum in our aerial apartment, and consequently to ascend and descend oftener. My wife had repeatedly applied to me to remedy this evil, and my own anxiety had often made me reflect if the thing were really possible. A staircase on the outside was not to be thought of. The considerable height of the tree rendered that impracticable as I had nothing to rest it on, and should be at a loss to find beams to sustain it. But I had for some time formed the idea of constructing winding stairs within the immense trunk of the tree, if it should happen to be hollow, or I could contrive to make it so. I had heard the boys talking of a hollow in our tree, and of a swarm of bees issuing from it, and I now therefore went to examine whether the cavity extended to the roots, or what its circumference might be. The boys seized the idea with ardor. They sprang up and climbed to the tops of the roots, like squirrels, to strike at the trunk with axes and to judge from the sound how far it was hollow. But they soon paid dearly for their attempt. The whole swarm of bees, alarmed at the noise made against their dwelling, issued forth, buzzing with fury, attacked the little disturbers, began to sting them, stuck to their hair and clothes, and soon put them to flight, uttering lamentable cries." My wife and I had some trouble to stop the course of their uproar and cover their little wounds with fresh earth to allay the smart. Jack, whose temper was on all occasions rash, had struck fiercely upon the bee's nest and was more severely attacked by them than the rest. It was necessary, so serious was the injury, to cover the whole of his face with linen. The less active Ernest got up the last and was the first to run off when he saw the consequences. Thus, avoided any further injury than a sting or two. But some hours elapsed before the other boys could open their eyes or be in the least relieved from the acute pain they had been inflicted. When they grew a little better, the desire of being revenged of the insects that had so roughly used them had the ascendant in their minds. They teased me to hasten the measures for getting everything in readiness for obtaining possession of their honey. The bees, in the meantime, are still buzzing furiously round the tree, prepared tobacco, pipes, and clay, chisels, hammers. And I took the large gourd long intended for a hive, and I fitted a place for it by nailing a piece of board on a branch of the tree, and made a straw roof for the top to screen it from the sun and rain. And as all this took up more time than I was aware of, we deferred the attack of the fortress to the following day, and got ready for a sound sleep which completed the cure of my wounded patient. We then, so many adventures ended, pursued our road, and arrived at Falcon Stream in safety, experiencing what is so generally true, that home is always dear and sacred to the heart, and anticipated with delight. Always in due order, and our animals welcomed our return in their own jargon and manner, but which did not fail to be expressive of their satisfaction in seeing us again. We threw them some of the food they were most partial to, which they greedily accepted, and then voluntarily went back to their usual stand. It was necessary to practice a measure dictated by prudence, which was to tie up the buffalo again, to ensure it by degrees to a confinement, and the handsome Malabar eagle shared the same fate. Fritz chose to place it near the parrot on the root of a tree. He fastened it with a piece of pack thread of sufficient length to allow it free motion, and uncovered its eyes. Till then the bird had been tolerably quiet. But the instant it was restored to light, it fell into a species of rage that surprised us. It proudly raised its head, its feathers became ruffled, and its eyeballs seemed to whirl in their orbits and dart out vivid lightnings. All the poultry were terrified and fled, but the poor luckless parrot was too near the sanguinary creature to escape. Before we were aware of the danger, it was seized and mangled by the formidable hooked beak of the eagle. Fritz ventured his anger in loud and passionate reproaches. He would have killed the murderer on the spot had not Ernest ran up and entreated him to spare its life parrots said he we shall find him plenty but never perhaps so beauteous so magnificent a bird as this eagle which his father observes we may train for hawking you may too blame only yourself for the parrot's death why did you uncover his eyes i could have told you the falconers keep them covered six weeks till they are completely tamed but now, brother, let me have the care of him. Let me manage the unruly fellow. He shall soon, in consequence, of the methods I shall use, be as tractable and submissive as a new-born puppy. Fritz refused to part with his eagle, and Ernest did not long oppose giving him the information he wanted. I have read, said he, somewhere, that the Caribs puff tobacco smoke into the nostrils of the birds of prey, and of the parrots they catch, until they are giddy and almost senseless. This stupefication the Swiss Family Robinson, Chapter 25, The Malabar Eagle, Sago Manufactory, Bees. My wife, the next morning, began the conversation. She told me that the boys had been good and diligent, that they had ascended Cape Disappointment with her, and had gathered wood and made some torches for the night, and what seemed almost incredible, ventured to fail and bring down an immense palm tree. It lay prostrate on the ground and covered a space of at least seventy feet in length. To effect their purpose, Fritz had got up the tree with a long rope, which he fastened tight to the top of it. As soon as he had come down again, he and Ernest worked with the axe and saw to cut it through. When it was nearly divided, they cautiously managed to fall with the rope, and in this manner they succeeded. Fritz was in high spirits, too, on another account. He brought me on his wrist a young bird of prey of the most beauteous plumage. He had taken it from the nest in one of the rocks near Cape Disappointment. Very young as the bird was, it had already all its feathers, though they had not yet received their full coloring. It answered to the description of the beautiful eagle of Malabar, and I viewed it with the admiration it was entitled to.